All right, Kevin, I'm super excited for this episode of Meet the Zor, uh, partly because we'll get into the brand that you work with, but mostly because I'm fascinated with your background and the advantage it gives you in the sales process over others. And so you came from investment banking or the investment side of the world and fell into franchising. So I, I would love for you to start T tell me your personal franchise story, because I think it's super valuable back to the candidate as we talk through how it works with Mathnasium. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, excited to be here. Appreciate the, uh, the invitation. Um, yeah, so I, I started my career in investment banking, um, helping consumer and retail companies raise capital, do M&A, invest assets, all kinds of different things. Um, just so happened that at that time we were doing a lot of sponsor backed deals. And so coincidentally worked on a bunch of, um, Rourke portfolio company deals. Uh, Rourke is the product equity firm that owns us as well as many other, um, consumer assets, premier consumer assets, I should say. Um, and just so happened that, you know, as I was nearing the end of my investment banking stint, a CEO that I'd worked with. He was CEO of Smashburger at the time, the, the burger chain based out of Denver. He became CEO of Jackson Hewitt um, through the through the private equity sponsor. And so he was looking for somebody to join his team more on the finance side, corporate finance, corporate strategy side. Um, so I thought that was an interesting opportunity, you know, figure I'd probably do it for a couple of years before business school and then, you know, figure figure out what I wanted to do after that. Um, and that became kind of an eight year journey that took me, you know, much deeper into being an operator and learning how to run a franchise business. Um, but yeah, so while I was at Jackson Hewitt, you know, I did corporate finance for all of uh, probably like a month or something, and then um, realized that I could add more value to the firm at the time through corporate strategy, real estate strategy, franchising strategy. And so started going down that path. Um, along the way, we hired a chief development officer. And so I was working directly with him trying to figure out, you know, how I could help him with the analytics side, with the number crunching side. And then eventually, um, as he transitioned out of business to a different uh, franchise company, um, I took over you know, his responsibilities. And then thereafter, when the, um, when the head of franchising left, I took over that responsibility too. Um, and then you know, fast forward um, to last year, opportunity came along where um, Rourke was looking to hire a chief development officer checked all the boxes for me. I was familiar with the sponsor, met the management team, met the work folks, you know, just a great company with a great mission that uh, was kind of a no brainer for me. Uh, love that. A few things I want to unpack from this, because I'm, I'm again, like I'm super fascinated by this. I think majority of franchisors, not, not necessarily P backed ones, but the majority of founder led or independent franchisors would say there's a lot of similarities between someone who's going to invest their money into a fund and those that go, that are going to invest as a franchisee. From my viewpoint, I actually think they're polar opposite because majority of franchisees are risk averse. And so when they're getting into the business, they almost have more of a knee jerk reaction backwards than forwards versus an investor says, yes, I want to pour my money into this. I'm going to put pressures on fund X or business X, but I'm doing it with a scaling mindset. So it's almost like an opposite mindset from where I stand. Do you, 
Do you agree with that? Do you see any any similarities in the who you're working with on both sides of the fence? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I can I can see both sides of it. I I kind of think of it almost like a Venn diagram where you know you have some overlap in the middle, but then you also have the polar opposites. Um, you know, I, I can start with the middle. I, I think both sets of folks are looking to maximize returns at the end of the day, right? Um, and how they go about it, it can be very different. You know, folks who are looking to invest in a private equity fund or, you know, really any asset manager, are probably looking for something that's passive. Um, and some, some franchisees are looking for a passive investment as well. But um, I would say probably large majority of folks that we work with, you know, are, are either going to be owner operators or they're going to have to go out and hire a general manager or center director, somebody to do this. And they also kind of realize that, you know, if I'm going to start off with just a couple of units or even just one unit, um, I'm going to have to be pretty hands-on. And so it's, it's not going to be some, something like where I can just park my money with um, a fund and, and have them give me a quarterly, you know, summary of how the fund's doing. And then, you know, hopefully I see a return when the fund closes out in five, six, seven years. Right. Um, whereas the the folks who are interested in becoming franchisees, you know, they realize that it's going to be a big investment in time and energy on the front end. And then perhaps as they scale and, you know, hire um, a general manager who can handle multi-units, you know, then it can eventually become a great passive um, revenue stream or income stream for them as well. So I, I can definitely see both sides of it. Were you fascinated with that side as you fall into franchising of when you're talking with a candidate, especially at Jackson Hewitt initially, that here's someone that's like, hey, Kevin, I'm going to invest my life savings into this business that I have little to no control over other than operating and hustling at, at the local level. Were you fascinated by the mindset or the persona of the franchisee? And then what have you learned over the way that has been valuable to the way that you approach development now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think for me as somebody who's somewhat risk averse, you know, it's it's definitely a big, uh, big leap of faith. And so I, I have a ton of respect for people who are entrepreneurs who go out and either start their own companies or jump into a franchise. You know, I kind of see franchising as that happy middle ground where, you know, you're joining something that's established. You have a much higher rate of success than trying to start your own thing. But like you said, you know, a lot of times, folks are investing their life savings or pulling the forward pays, you know, what have you to, to stand up that business initially. And so it was always super interesting to me and still is today, you know, talking to folks about how they think about um, the franchising opportunity, what they're hoping to achieve, you know, how does our system work for them? Does it make sense for them? You know, the whole rigmarole of almost like a due diligence checklist of, okay, is this the right opportunity for me? And is this going to be a happy marriage between franchisee and franchisor? Or, you know, do they need to look at something different? Or do they still need to kind of figure out, you know, what type of opportunities uh, ultimately make sense if that's franchising or something else? Right. At Jackson Hewitt, you, you were there for nearly seven years or yeah. over seven years. That's rare in franchising as well. There tends to be a, a jumpiness to those that occupy the seat. Either the, the pressures from the top don't align with what the true expectation should match and that causes a turnover, or they do align, but the person that occupies the seat feels like, you know, maybe maybe they can't they can't do it in the climate that they're uh, equipped with. And so you were you were sticky there. You're obviously sticky with mathnasium. From your seat, 
I would imagine that has it has to be viewed as the business opportunity has to be strong for you to want to stay and believe in it. So what is important to you from a stickiness factor when it comes to a franchisor? And now that you've, you've had only two jobs over a decade, uh, what, what's your approach to that? And what, why may, what makes you stick at a, at a job for such a long time? Yeah. I mean, I think from the, from the franchisor perspective, you know, hopefully it's a, it's a company that's investing in, in the growth of the system. Um, and it's kind of focused on making sure that the individual franchisees are set up for success. You know, that's kind of step one. Um, and then step two, you know, I'm, I'm always hopeful that year in and year out, I'm, I'm still learning, I'm still developing, you know, at, at Jackson Hewitt, I, I joined pretty early on in my career. And so there was a lot of opportunity to take on more responsibility, have a bigger imprint on the business and, you know, add value, not just to the folks that I was working with day to day, but also shareholders of the private equity firm. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's also the mission of the business. Um, you know, Jackson Hewitt was uh, a company that primarily helped lower income individuals fire their tax returns. And so, you know, it, it was kind of the biggest financial event in, in the client's lives. Um, similarly, in some ways, Mathnasium, you know, it's about helping kids get better at math so that they can build confidence so that they can go out to the world and problem solve and, you know, not feel intimidated by something that's um, might be initially very, very daunting. And so I, I think it's easy when you check those boxes and then you also have a, an overarching mission that um, is very easy to, to get behind that, you know, makes it super easy for me to get up every day and, and go to work. And so always excited to do that. Well, what I, what I love about what you're saying is that that's you being excited to go to work, but the reality is all the things you just said, especially starting at the, what's the mission, vision and values of the organization is how a buyer is going to approach it too. And so if I'm a potential candidate looking at a business and I see that you, Kevin, is staying sticky uh, with the company, there's got to be a reason why. And sometimes that reason isn't going to be disclosed in an FDD or hidden in some item 19. It's bigger and more powerful than that, which ultimately, I think the one of the biggest things that pushes the franchisee over the edge or not is whether they feel they're going to be supported in the process of becoming a, a business owner on their own. So what I love about that that comment is that's exactly what the franchisee or the potential buyer should be looking at as well. Yeah, no, totally. And, and you know, we want to make sure that people are well informed, as well informed as, as they can be. And so we have a, you know, at Mathnasium, we have a very, very robust FDD. We have a very de detailed item 19. You know, we highly encourage validation, uh, i.e. talking to other franchisees in our system. Um, and ultimately, you know, we love to get in front of folks and, and get them on calls and Zoom just to kind of talk through the story, the mission, the messaging. Because like you said, you can't put everything in the FDD. Sometimes, you know, it needs to be vocalized. And, you know, you can also get the temperature of folks and see what they're passionate about and so that, you know, you can convey that side of the business to them as well. Um, so. Totally agree. I, I love um, talking to franchisees about all different aspects of what they're looking for, their background. Is this a good fit? Geography, real estate, you know, the, the whole rigmarole. All right. I want to shift gears and now get into Mathnasium. And specifically, we're going to work through what is the why you why now, which I think is super important to a candidate that's looking at it. My first perception of Mathnasium, if I'm a buyer, is you guys have hit scale as a business. Uh, it is uh, now 
there, there's a, it's a, it's an investor backed company. Um, and therefore that means there's limited or more limited opportunities and that mm-hmm. franchisees that got on in the early stages are going to, uh, have occupied some of the bigger markets, which I would imagine from a lead generation standpoint, you do get inquiries from people in market that say, oh, I want to own a mathnasium. And you're like, that's great. But we have a franchise owner who has actually swallowed up that territory. So talk to me a little bit about the current landscape or what is the state of the union from a franchise growth standpoint? And ultimately, who are you looking for and where, where do they live? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think what you described is, is um, you know, indicative for any franchise business that gets to scale, right? Um, there's a trade-off between, you know, when you're first starting out and maybe you have 10 or 50 or even 100 locations. And as you get to a thousand plus like we are, um, and, you know, we're in many different countries at this point, um, you know, the available territory pool starts to decrease a little bit. That being said, um, you know, there's still a ton of opportunity within our system. I, I think um, a company like Rourke, you know, who owns Duncan and Baskin Robbins and Arby's and, you know, all these great consumer brands also wouldn't have invested in Magnesium had they not also seen the white space for uh, for growth. And, and we certainly believe that there's still many, many hundreds of potential locations left in, in the United States. Um, we have availability in, in lots of different metro markets. You know, we we were... We were founded in uh, Los Angeles. That's where our headquarters is today. But even if you uh, pulled up the map of our locations, you know, we still have, I don't know, probably 20, 20 to 30 available territories across, you know, not just the LA region, but some other parts of California. So lots of different opportunities, talking to folks every day, you know, um, through different channels about the opportunities. But, um, but as far as what our ideal franchisee looks like, I mean, you know, we, we have different franchisees from all different walks of life. Um, I, I think one of the preconceived notions about Magnesium is, oh, the franchisees are all, you know, ex-teachers or all ex-educators. Frankly, not the case. Um, our, our largest franchisee came from uh, the telecom side of the world where he was operating um, wireless stores uh, in New York. And now he has, you know, I think close to 50 locations at this point. You know, all over the U.S., um, we do have plenty of teachers and, and ex-educators. Um, you know, who are very passionate about education, kind of wanting to further that, and also getting a better work-life balance as far as the hours go. You know, we're we're usually open from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., um, and so they 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 can have more time to do other things besides you know just teaching or running a business. Um, and so you know, the the numbers are detailed in in the FED, but. Uh, we're open to talking to really anybody who wants to start their own business um, and hopefully is, is passionate about um, helping kids get better at math. When you were doing your own due diligence on the business, what what pleasantly surprised you as you dug into the Mathnasium experience uh, that you may have not seen as an outsider? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it from a, a practical perspective and then kind of, you know, more bigger picture. But um, for me, you know, I was very excited about the opportunity to take a founder-led business um, through its first, you know, ownership by um, a very, a, a very well-respected premier private equity firm. Um, the the nice thing about you know taking over a, a founder-led business is there's lots of low-hanging fruit to improve the business, specifically on how to make it easier for operators and franchisees um, to run their own businesses. And so, you know, we're 
quickly tackling those at this point. We're launching, you know, all different types of tools, centralized digital marketing, business intelligence tools, so that franchisees can focus more on the day-to-day -day of generating leads and talking to students, talking to parents versus, you know, working to figure out um, what they need to do from, you know, in Excel or anything like that or, or digital marketing. Um, so that was super exciting to me. Two, um, you know, kind of bigger picture, the, the first time that I was in a center and, and kind of seeing students engaged, having fun, learning math, building that confidence and seeing that light bulb kind of go off, um, you know, it just, it kind of rekindled, you know, my own kind of passion towards education. I, I did um, supplementary education growing up and, you know, it wasn't a fun experience for me. You know, it felt like more school, it felt like more homework. Uh, but seeing these kids, you know, who come in a couple of times a week, do their punch cards, get prizes out of the war cabinet, kind of just opened my eyes to a different way of, of um, math education and, and one that maybe isn't adequately addressed by, um, you know, the education system, specifically, you know, public education. So seeing all that put together and seeing the magic that happens in the center, it was just like, Okay, this is this is awesome. You know, how do we get this in, in more people's hands? How do we get it more accessible for more kids across the US? How do we get it into other countries? Um, and so, you know, it was just it was just kind of it, it's magic, really. What I love about that answer is that I think it's the wave of the future. And here here here's why from where I stand. When I was growing up or when you were growing up you use sports as that outlet. Only a small fraction of human beings will become a professional athlete, but it was our, our tool that would show us community and team building and, and confidence, uh, no matter what skill level you had. And as long as you were allowed to participate, then you usually got some sort of trophy and, and some sort of reward for playing the game. And so, but when you and I were growing up, the reality is they didn't have that in an educational standpoint. If I connect that over to who your candidate is, you said it's not just teachers or educators. It could be business operators or people that want to get involved in the community. And so math ends up being the outlet that sports could have done for someone in the 80s or 90s or early 2000s. Now here's another, another platform. Uh, my children's middle names are Wrigley and Field. So I wanted them to be uh, lovers of baseball uh, I think there's a million things he would rather do than go to a baseball game with me. So that did not work out. But my oldest right now, he's at he's at animation camp because he's into animation and coding and math. And so those things are lifting up his confidence as well. And so if you look at the business opportunity, naturally, Mathnasium is going to be positioned as an education franchise, but it really isn't. It's a confidence franchise. And that's where like, I, I agree with you. I think there's there's another layer there. I don't know that it's there in a mainstream viewpoint yet. I don't know that the buying community can say, all right, let me pull myself away from this. It would be like if magically burgers made you lose weight, all of a sudden burger brands would be a weight loss brand. So it's, it's going to be hard for the for some people to get there. But those that are opt opportunistic, they're going to say, well, wait a second. Yes, math is the widget but it's the, the system is greater than math. And here's the impact, whether, whether you're gonna be good at math in, in your adult life or not, what we want you to say is, I'm willing to stand up and get the job that I want or have the confidence to ask someone out on a date. So like, it's all these other intangibles that I think 
were dismissed when we were growing up. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, well, first, go Cubbies. We spent four years there for <laughs> <That's> <laughs> during good. my undergrad. Um, but no, it's that's exactly right. Um, you know, as as kids, especially today, try to tackle math, and you know, it's it's always constantly changing. You know, it's it, frankly, it's taught differently today than than when we were growing up. Now, kids have Common Core, and so sometimes they bring homework home to their parents, and the parents are like, you know, this is how I did it. I, you know, it, are you going to get in trouble if you do it the way I do it? Um, and it's also getting more and more complex. Um, you know, as as um, the world kind of gravitates towards AI and machine learning and, you know, all these different um, development ideas that are essentially built on math as the foundation, it becomes super important for kids to have a strong math foundation. And if they kind of miss that, um, that on-ramp, whether it's in, you know, grade three or grade four or algebra, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I think it, it becomes a very slippery slope where, like you said, they're not getting the confidence um, day in and day out that they otherwise would be exposed to and start developing so that when they go out and tackle more difficult problems, whether it's relationship problems or adjusting to, you know, a new environment or going to college and trying to, you know, basically having independence and trying to figure out, you know, what am, what am I good at? How do I make friends? All of this other stuff that confidence that they could have gotten by tackling math, by getting over that hump initially, which, you know, is usually the first, the first boulder, frankly, you know, kids generally are able to figure out reading and, and English and other subjects, you know, fairly naturally. I think math is where the education system has a lot of room for improvement. And so, you know, once they hit that first boulder, hopefully they get over it, but if they don't, you know, it's a very slippery slope. And so, you know, us being there, um, to help push them over that hump. I think it's hugely beneficial to, to their long-term growth trajectory. Well, two, two more comments on that. One is if a kid says, hey, mom or dad, I want to be Mr. Beast when I grow up, great. But Mr. Beast also had to figure out the algorithm to make sure that his videos could produce uh, viewers, which in turn would drive revenue, which in turn you need to understand what a PL is because then he needs to understand how much I spend and how much I can make. And so it's, it's so fundamental and you get to the realities of a franchisee. They also have to have those foundational elements on there. Not, not just the math side, but also the confidence side, because you're going to invest a portion of your life savings into this business and you're going to open it. And Kevin's not going to be there every day to say, you got this. Like ultimately you're going to have to be able to dig deep and say, I can sit in my center and do nothing today. Or I could get out and shake some hands and build some relationships in my community. And that's something that, is, as silly as this may sound, what you're teaching from a math standpoint is going to be a skill set that franchisees of tomorrow are going to need as well, too. No doubt. Absolutely. And, you know, there's only one Mr. Beast, right? But, uh, <laughs> you know, they as, as they as they kind of go on that journey and start figuring things out, it, I, I think it's it's the confidence, but also... Um, you alluded to it. It's the skill set that just translates, you know, across the spectrum of what they're going to need in life to manage, you know, their finances or manage their business or manage, you know, 10 other different aspects of, of what they're trying to accomplish. And, you know, without that solid math foundation, without that confidence boost that comes with being able to tackle tough problems, you know, you're not, 
set up for success essentially. Yeah, or is as simple as uh, I have eight hours in my workday. How do I box schedule my planning so I can get things done? It's all it all comes back to this. So, I mean, we're talking philosophical stuff, and if, for me, I find it deeply valuable for the sales process for franchisees that fill out the form and get on the line. It's almost like they're they're conditioned to go through block and tackling. How much does it cost? How much can I make? Tell me the vision. Uh, can I open in the market that I want to open in? And then probably start peppering your sales team through, here are all the reasons why I don't want to buy to try to gain the confidence. Does this philosophical part, does it enter the sales process? Does it enter discovery day? Is it any part of the discussion that you're having with candidates today that maybe you weren't having as much, say, five years ago? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a big part of, you know, why we think it's a compelling opportunity. And it's, you know, for us, the, the sales process is is not that um, difficult, frankly. You know, the business kind of and the opportunity sells itself. You know, we have a very, very attractive FDD um, top to bottom. I think it's when folks come in for discovery day, they meet with the executives, they kind of hear the vision, they start to kind of piece it together about why this is different and how um, how it works and why the system is successful when you kind of just follow the steps that are already in place and just kind of replicate upon that success. I mean, the business has been up um, double digits for the last, you know, 15 some odd years. Um, and it's only a 20, 21 year old business at this point. And so, you know, when you kind of see that trajectory, you know, you realize that they know what they're doing. It's a system that clearly works. It's a system that clearly appeals to not just kids, but also their parents. You know, how do I kind of um, understand the magic that happens and figure out if, if that's something that, you know, I want to be a part of. And that's why during discovery day, you know, we take our candidates, all of our candidates that come to LA um, to the first center in Westwood LA so that they can see, you know, at three or 4 PM in the afternoon, the kids start to roll in, they kind of, you know, they're checking in, they're talking to the instructors, they're going through that process and then they're having fun. It's getting rowdier in the center, you know, telling them to quiet down a little bit, you know, seeing all of that magic that unfolds, really reinforces um, what it's all about. And, and, it, and it's very different than other concepts, concepts that are out there. You know, it's, it's very fun focused when you go and, and read our Google reviews or Yelp reviews against, you know, other folks, you, you start to see, okay, this is why the NPS scores are so much higher. This is why the students are stickier. This is why parents, you know, want to continue using this product. And then it just all connects from there. Well, I think it, some of this also goes back to, some of the success of the business goes back to what you said you were looking for in the onboarding process, whether Mathnasium was the right fit for you from a career standpoint. And you, you talked about AI, intelligence, and enhancements. And for a business to achieve double-digit growth, most of the time they can't just serve the same product or the same service or do things the same way that they've always done it. There has to be this, this hunger for innovation. And so because you're saying our business continues to have the hunger to innovate, what that does is it could take a, a franchisee that joined the system five years ago on an average unit volume as disclosed in item 19 of the FDD could be vast, it is vastly different than it is today. Yeah. And so that what that does is it helps franchisees set expectations, know what the brand can contribute and can look around at peers 
and say, all right, as a part of the system, I can see all these other franchise owners who are super hungry about the innovations or opportunities that Mathnasium is offering. This is the ship that I can join. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we have teams dedicated to keeping the curriculum fresh with teams dedicated to innovating, to providing more digital tools. You know, if you want to run a center that's iPad only or, you know, tablet only versus pencil and paper, you know, these are all options that are open to you if you want um, a center that's hybrid friendly because kids have baseball practice and, you know, maybe they can't make it in this week, but maybe they can do it um, from the bedroom. You know, we have options available for that, too. And, and none of that really existed, you know, like you said, five years ago. And so the, the AUVs, as you track the FPV, you know, continue to translate. Um, and really, you know, I mentioned this before, it's, it's also from our perspective, making the lives of the franchisees easier, right? Less, less of the behind the scenes, um, administrative type stuff and more front of office, uh, interacting with folks. And so, you know, that's, that's going to always kind of be the focus, uh, of the management team. And, you know, hopefully that continues to translate on the top line for franchisees too. If there's a ghost out there, a ghost candidate that's looking at the business, maybe has clicked into the website, maybe can't hear everything that you and I have just talked about or can see it. What do you want them to know about this business opportunity that maybe they, they haven't fully gripped around the World Wide Web? Yeah. I mean, you know, really, it's if you're if you're an entrepreneur, you're looking for a business opportunity, you're interested in uh, an education or, or kid related concept. You know this this is something that you should definitely be looking at um it's a business that's continuing to grow it's got a great um, sponsor behind it it's got a great management team with a great track record um and we're super dedicated you know to making the franchisees lives easier um i don't necessarily think that can be said for a lot of the concepts out there especially concepts that have been around for a while um they kind of hit the a, a plateau in their um in their life cycle, whereas we're continuing to to grow. And so as long as you're hungry to, you know, uh, take on a different business opportunity, we're certainly here to, to support you. Yeah, and I'll add one more thing out of our conversation. Uh, lots of good value back to the buyer that's trying to see what exists in the category. And may maybe you didn't, you know, you, you weren't a teenager saying someday I want to own a mathnasium but you can get behind some of the philosophical things that that we've discussed and then the the other thing that i think is deeply critical uh to just note is you talked about la and so to the perception of a buyer that might say mathnasium's too big there's no opportunity for me the reality there is and i've, I've said this to candidates that are thinking about buying a franchise many many times over that it doesn't hurt for you to go through the process. Like you actually filling out a form and having a conversation saying, here's what my dreams or aspirations are. It doesn't hurt to do that because Kevin, what you said is we still have amazing opportunity in one of our core markets. Um, and we can show you franchisees who have scaled to, to owning many, many uh, locations as well. And so that's where if you're having the knee jerk reaction at the finish line to say, should I inquire or not? why not? Why not get, get free consulting from Kevin as a part of the process, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, worst case, you know, is that that territory is not available, but, you know, depending on what is available, it, it might still work for you, uh, which happens all the time, you know, when, uh, when we're talking to candidates, but, uh, but like you said, you know, we'd love to explore, um, you know, what folks are looking for. We'd love to explore the geography. 
and just have a conversation about, you know, what your aspirations are, what gets you excited, you know, and if mathnasium can, you know, fit in that puzzle. I love it. Kevin, great conversation. Really appreciate it. To anybody that watched this, hopefully you found value uh, in our discussion. You can go to mathnasiumfranchise.com for more information. For Kevin, I'm Nick. This is another episode of Meet the Zor. Thanks, everybody.